Homestyle Green, episode number 72. Why do windows in Europe open inwards? G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I am the host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and you are someone who is interested in helping build a better place to live. And that is what this show is all about. You might be a designer or an architect or even a builder, or you might actually be a prospective homeowner or someone who's going to renovate their home, and you're doing a bit of research and trying to figure out the best way to build a better home. This is the podcast for you. So welcome along. Today I am speaking with Jessica Ayers, who is a certified passive house designer. Uh, But before that, she trained as an architect and has also worked as a volunteer for organizations such as uh, Sustainable Wanaka. And she's also worked as an eco-design advisor. We've had an eco-design advisor on the show before. We had Ian Scott here from um, Auckland in an in a early uh, episode. And uh, so she's, she's done a lot of stuff around sustainability. She also knows a lot about windows, or specifically window shutters. So listen in to find out a little bit about that. Had a great chat with Jessica and we discussed some fairly common themes in the show about the general standard of New Zealand homes. You'll notice from Jessica's accent that she's not from here, but she has been living here, well, uh, around Queenstown and Wanaka for quite some time, um, but originally brought up in Europe and the UK. And like I often say, it's people that have experienced houses away from New Zealand that really understand just how poor some of our existing houses are and that it doesn't have to be that way. And one of the things that Jessica's really keen on is working with people to improve their home or or to get a a home that's much better than the building code. Now, if that is something that you're working on, whether it's your existing home or whether you are looking at building a new home and you want to have a bit of a look at it, then get in touch. One of the things that I like doing and a service that we are offering at Homestyle Green is a house plan review. So head on over to um, homestylegreen.com and you'll see there there's a few options starting from a free chat with me. You can jump on Skype and we'll have a chat for 20 minutes and uh, go through some of the issues that you might be dealing with right through to uh, some exciting stuff that I'm looking at in helping you figure out how efficient your house will be off the plan. And I want to do this at a fairly early stage in the process. So even if you're just scratching around a few ideas, then do get in touch because that's when it's easiest to make some significant changes to the layout and and ultimately the performance of your home. So anyway, that's enough from me. Now, as always, I started off by asking Jessica why she does what she does. I I guess I started off um, wanting to, to, I've always wanted to be a specialist and Mm -hmm. always wanted to... um, be more in the nitty gritty than the um, than the high level um, stuff, and um, so I decided that you know environmental um, 
building was the way to go because it was something that I was kind of interested in in my personal life and um, felt that it, you know, needed to be applied throughout. And so I went and did, did my master's. Yep. And um, Masters of Architecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, which is, was environmental architecture. Was that here? Uh, no, it was in the UK. So right. um, do that we, was. Do we have a course like that here? No, no, right. not that I know of. But um, there, I, there was a, a course called um, a Certificate in Sustainable Building at Iraqi Polytechnic, but I don't think that exists anymore. But um, the Masters was run um, at a place called uh, the Centre for Alternative Technology, which. Yep. Um, people might have heard yep, of yep. um in wales and um that was a life-changing experience it, it was a life-changing experience. oh it was incredible the, the place uh, is it's in an abandoned slate quarry in the middle of absolutely nowhere in wales and uh, they've got all these incredible environmental buildings um uh just scattered about and um the course itself was uh it was you know there were 100 people and they were all fired up and ready to right. go and incredible ideas. And the teaching was of the highest standard I've ever come across, which you wouldn't expect in, you know, old, old slate quarry in Wales, but, um, you know, some incredible people with incredible in qualifications. And, um, they taught us all about it, you know, the limits to growth and the, yeah. um, all of the, uh, crunch points that we're, we're coming up against. And, um, that was, it, it was actually for me. It was kind of the first time I'd heard all of that kind of stuff, and um, that was in two thousand and three. And um, so you weren't particularly environmental. I guess <laughs> ide then, ideologically I was, but I, right. I hadn't come across. I hadn't been exposed to the facts. And so in um, your training, as a as a in your architectural training, yeah, it was hadn't... minimal. Yeah, right, it was pretty minimal. There, there, it was there, but and it was were you, very basic. were you doing work as a as a designer at that stage? Yeah, I was working in an architectural practice at the time. Right, um, mainstream, uh, mainstream, but with a with a bent towards environmental um, okay. and conservation yeah, yeah. stuff. Right, um, so uh, yeah, and um, uh, I haven't looked back really. The yeah, that that kind of really changed everything for me and uh, so after that course were you able to implement things that you learned straight away in the projects that you were working on uh well almost straight away i uh came over here and back to um back to new zealand and uh then um i was completing my thesis at the time which was research on um solar shading and uh, so right. i finished that off uh with lots of little plywood test cell boxes with so you started and, a, did you started that in the uk started it in the uk so that what was kind made of you the want plan. to do a solar shading thesis in the uk i wouldn't imagine that'd be a big issue over there well what i was looking at was was shutters was vertical shading mm. and um i was fascinated by vertical shutters in europe and, right um because i would have been just getting starting to get trendy then um, well, in Europe, they've, they've been around for forever um, yeah. and and they hadn't ever really been in the UK. And I was interested in why oh, that was. That's interesting. And um, I just thought that they were the most incredible building, um, uh, part of a building. You know, they they, uh, they can keep the heat out. They can keep the, the heat in. Um, their security, their yeah. um, a, a way of, of ventilating your your um, your building um, while keeping it secure. Because you have the windows that open underneath them. Correct, windows so, that open inwards in Europe. Yeah. Are we ah oh, okay. Well, let's come back to that. But uh, so are we talking about big screens that sort of slide across all kinds? Across yeah. The, so windows? so the traditional ones are obviously the um, the, the wooden casement shutters that open right. outwards on so like the, storm windows. 
Uh, yeah, like the little cute shutters that you see yeah, on, yeah. on chalets and things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you, you, you've got, um, especially in places like France and Spain, uh, the w- ones that roll down that you can operate from the inside. Right. Um, that are for solar shading and for security. Right, right. So uh, what I thought was that I could do, um, what I was mostly interested in was um, uh, reduction of heat loss using mm-hmm. shutters and the reduction of heat gain um, in the summer. So, uh, in, in the middle of winter in the UK, I set up my little test cell and, um, I monitored the temperature loss, uh, from it, um, with and without a shutter with a little window in the, in, in the side of it. Right. Um, and then I'm is this back. in situ, like in in house or in a in a lab? No, in a, in a little. It, it's it's a lab, so it's a, right. it's, it's a, a recognised method of of testing building materials. It's right, called yeah, a test yeah. cell method, and yep. um, so um, so big box with control tubes on each side. Big box, yep. So um, not controlled, but in in the environment. So um, oh, you. Okay. Uh, I created a heat source in in the cell and then uh, used little data loggers to measure the temperature inside and out. And from that, I could could calculate an R value of of the shutter. Wow. Um, And uh, then I came over here in the middle of summer and (laughs) did the same in the summer and um, uh, did different simulations of windows open, windows closed, and, and... uh, solid shutters versus louvered shutters and um, worked out, you know, the, the best combination for getting maximum um, uh, ventilation and um, reduction in heat gain. Is there a simple answer to that? Um, actually, yes, it's it's quite obvious, really, it's, yeah. um, that uh, with with a, a window open and a, and a, a, a louvered shutter, you would get the most, um, uh, the, the greatest reduction in heat gain. Right. And does it require cross flow, or just is one window enough? Oh, that's something that uh, Cara Rosemeyer. That's what her thesis was about. Was more about um, the the uh, effectiveness of ventilation. Um, I was just looking at a single sided uh, situation, so right. very simple um, uh, uh, type simulation. But she's looking at m- more uh, stack effects, I think, and um, uh, the effects of cross ventilation. Yeah, well. which I know, yeah. I know is becoming more thought about here in Auckland um, mm. uh, as uh, apartments, more apartments come online or mm. design of apartments. And also that uh, at the same time, there, the, there are some more constrictions on like size of apartments and, and mm. the layout and more emphasis on mm. having uh, north-facing windows. Mm. But if you try and have the whole lot with, the, with some north-facing window or some external windows, it, it can create problems. Yeah. Where you yeah. don't, if you physically can't have... Uh, a window on each side of an apartment. So yeah, uh, I've been told that that makes passive ventilation quite tricky. Yeah, and it's um, also about air quality. I think that was that was the focus of, of her research. More was was that um, uh, getting very poor uh, internal air quality from just not being able to ventilate properly. Yeah, right. Um, and that mechanical systems in some cases are necessary. Yeah, and I'm assuming she's talking about proper heat recovery ventilation systems yes. or, as opposed to just yeah, in the sort of a fan house in the ceiling. Con- con- context, yeah. 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 <laughs> Why do you, you European windows or UK windows open inwards? Uh, European ones because of the shutters. Right. And in the UK they and here they open outwards because of space. You know, it's, it's more um, space effective to have windows opening outwards because you don't have to have the area in front of the window clear. Right. Um, for for a, a window to open into. Yeah. So they're designed from the start 
with the assumption that there's going to be shutters. Yes. On them. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so you end up you come to Queenstown. Queenstown. Yeah. Beautiful spot to choose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, did you have any reason for coming back to? Queenstown? That's uh, where I had family and right. um, it's where I've always spent time and yep. when I've been here because of because of the family connection. Yep. And and set up shop as a uh, design for a design your own design practice? No, no, I um I went over to Wanaka um because I just fell in love with, with, with Wanaka. Easy to um, do. beautiful yeah. place. <laughs> and um almost straight away I I um, met various people connected with a charity called Sustainable Wanaka and uh, one of those one of the trustees was an architect called Dan Salmond, um, who I then worked for, but then almost uh, straight away um, started working for Sustainable Wanaka. They'd got some funding through the Sustainable Management Fund, the yep. um, Ministry for the Environment um, Sustainable Management Fund, right. um, to create an online sustainable building resource, Okay, um, which was quite a major project of maybe 100 or so articles talking about various different aspects of, of sustainable building and particularly in relation to the Southern Lakes climate. Right. And is that still up online? It's not. Sadly, oh, Sustainable really? Wanaka um, ran out of funding um, when uh, the um, global crash happened and um, they haven't been able to um, uh, restart since. Really? So where's all that content, you know? Um I've still got it, but right. where the where the web content gone, I expect that it's it's all just vanished into the ether. So, wow, um, that's, that's a shame. Something to get to get restarted at, at some point. In amongst all that, somewhere along the line, you became certified passive house designer. Was yes. that while you were still in the UK, or no? That was when um, I, I, we went back overseas for a couple of years um, in two thousand and nine, and then when I came back, I did the, uh, the they'd just started doing the. Certified Passive House Designers course here. Right. So uh, I think I was the second intake for, for right. that in 2011. So, you, But you must be one of the first to be fully certified over here or we've got um, a few certified now? I'm not sure how many there are. I think there were maybe only six or seven when, when I started doing the course. Yep. So um, by now there's maybe 20 or 30. Right. I'm not sure. Right. So now who is your ideal client, customer, person you'd like to work with? Well, I guess the ideal client is uh, somebody who's really very, very interested in um, how their building works and uh, getting it to work in the optimal way. And um, obviously that that person cares about the environmental impact of their building is very important. Um, but it's, it's not just, it's, it's about aesthetics obviously, but it's also about, um, how, how the building performs and how it's put together. And, um, I guess just working with that person to make a building work in, in, in the best way it can. Does an occupier of a building always need to know how to operate the building or will a good design building look after itself? I uh, think a lot of people do believe that you can have a building that doesn't need um, uh, occupant management, but I, I believe that that's not the case. I think that you, you always need to have some kind of occupant in interaction. No, you, I mean, you, you can have a building that uh, does its own thing, but it will never operate as efficiently as one that has 
a human being um, tweaking it. You know, for instance, solar solar water heating. You know, you can you yep. can get efficiencies of maybe sixty percent if you just let it do its own thing with timers and thermostats. But yeah. if you have a person looking at the, um, the 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 temperatures in the tank compared to the temperatures on the um, the the panel and thinking about how they're going to be using the the water in the next twenty four hours and and um, yeah. and and uh, adjusting it accordingly then you're going to get much higher levels of, um, of efficiency. You might get more like 70 or 80%. So, um, and I think the trouble is that people have an expectation that you can get those higher levels of efficiency without the interaction, because that's what the suppliers would like you to believe, I suppose. So there's probably a few different steps in getting to that point. There's the design in the first place, making it so that you can control it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then there's commissioning, which I don't mm. know if that ever really happens in most New Zealand houses. No. And then there would be optimising once it has been set up and, and tweaking mm. it and, and um, getting everything right. And yeah. I guess, and then also maintenance as well. Yes. Which of those, if any, do you think are most important? Um, I think it's the day-to-day management of, of a building, you know, knowing um, when to have your heating on, when to open all the windows, when... Um, to um, check your solar water heating, that kind of thing. Um, Which is interesting coming from a designer because that's mm. not your responsibility, is it? The day-to-day management of oh, what but it's, it should be, and that's something that we that we learned in in the master's degree, and, and uh, uh, also um, Anne Salmond is involved in is post occupancy evaluation. And right, it's, you know, it's so important and so neglected because. Um, you know, most designers don't really want to have that responsibility, that ongoing responsibility. No. But if you, if you um, evaluate how a building's performing, then, you know, that feeds back into your um, design knowledge and you can Im- improve your building next time around. Um, but I guess the other thing is that um, designers don't want to share that information because if they did make a mistake that they can learn from, they don't necessarily want the rest of the world to know that they made a mistake. So right. Um, right. I think that's pro- probably why it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. If you were to measure things in your house to make it perform optimally, what would you be measuring? Um, it would be the temperature. Uh, would be your energy consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be your water consumption. It would be your... Um, indoor air quality in what regard in terms of um pollutants whether you know you need to be um ventilating more or if you have a a ventilation system whether that ventilation system maybe needs to be turned up or down um so that would be flow rates of ventilation so Mm. volume of airflow but also quality of the air so vocs yeah so so from building materials but also from um uh, you know, odors and pollutants from cooking and um, and so on. Right. Breathing. CO two mm-hmm. is that of interest? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because um, if you if you don't have sufficient ventilation rates, then you're going to get a build up of CO two, which um, you know can give people headaches and all kinds of. So, of those, typically, most houses have an energy bill. Yes. That's pretty much our only measure at the moment. And we don't even really look at that. We just pay it in general <laughs> yeah. terms. Yeah. Um, we don't have, most houses don't have any instantaneous 
feedback about energy use? No, and they should. And that, that was um, I, I wrote a paper on that. It was um, uh, using uh, smart meters uh, yeah. and, and how that can affect people's awareness of how much power they're using because you know power to most people you know you can't you can't see it it's not nothing that you can touch it's it's, yeah, it's yeah. nothing tangible and um but if you can if you can see numbers going up and down and relate that to 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 dollars and cents then then it it definitely has a has a um a feedback to to behavior yeah yeah i'm really interested in the the temperature one as well because i have a bit of a theory that most new zealanders don't know what temperature particularly say take 18 degrees mm. i suspect that most new zealanders don't really know what 18 degrees feels like because no one has mm. thermostats here mm. now you can debate whether the thermostats are, are accurate anywhere that they in the u.s or america um or the uk where they do have them but at least they have them and and they're setting mm. them whereas here the most we've got to rely on is a there's a probably a heat pump remote control which is probably in the wrong place anyway um, mm. But is questionable how accurate that is. Yeah. Is there a way, uh, or how would you go about getting educating people on on what temperature sh- they they should have their house in? Well, I th- I think that that varies between people, and it varies between rooms in a house. So um, I th- I think that it, it would be ideal for people to have a, a sensor in in every room really to, yeah. to so that people can b- become familiar with with what a comfortable temperature is yeah and then try and maintain that because um, that's one of the big problems in New Zealand houses isn't it is that um, the intermittent heating that results in very large changes in in temperature often between day and night what's the biggest problem in with New Zealand houses well, we we mentioned health. You know, um, it's uh, New Zealand houses are a, a lot of them are very unhealthy, and yep. um, that's a result of the uh, the air temperature. It's the surface temperatures um, uh, making people feel cold and drafts. Um, it's uh, damp and mold uh, accumulating on those cold surfaces because of that that large temperature drop mm-hmm. from inside to outside because they're they're not insulated properly. Um, it's the poor ventilation. Um, it's it's all of those things, and you know it's uh, it's noticeable how how that kind of environment can make you sick. What's the one thing that you would recommend for people if they're looking at either improving their existing house or? building something new what one piece of advice would you give to them well it's so boring but insulation you know it really (laughs) is so boring but it's it's so important you know if you can if you can reduce those cold surfaces in a building then um the 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 warm air that's 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 holding all of that moisture is not going to hit a cold surface and then condense yeah it's um uh, yeah keep keeping uh your building envelope um as uniformly insulated as as is is possible um so yeah ceilings walls glazing floors it's 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 all got to be um to an adequate standard and wrap it up all all nicely yeah which like you say is a challenge because it's not that attractive Mm. (laughs) and you're competing against a whole bunch of things that you can touch and feel and, and look nice yeah usually in a budget yeah exactly but it is the fundamental right it's the it's the key yeah. 
to having a good performing home is, is insulating it properly. And it's cheap, you know. It's so cheap to do when, when you're building. Yeah. And it's a pain to do it afterwards. So, you know, if you can do it when you're building and, um, yeah, just thinking long term about the money that you're going to save through that. But, that you know, that's that's the that's a secondary importance to to how you're going to feel. And I think part of the problem is that a lot of people in New Zealand haven't actually experienced what a comfortable house yeah. is yeah. and don't realize how a poor house can be um, physically and psychologically um, affecting, affecting yeah. you. Yeah. You know, the stress and strain of, of, yeah, of yeah. being cold all the time. Yeah. And, it's, it's and a, not feeling yeah. good about where you live. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that you mean uh, above building code when, you, when you're talking about good. Correct. And, <laughs> you know, the, I guess part of the trouble is that, the, you know, there's so many different climates in New Zealand that it mm -hmm. makes it very tricky. Um, but it has been argued that the three climate zones that we have in the building code um, are, are not enough. Yeah. There's, there's so many more different climates in New Zealand. It is a little bit bizarre that, New Ze uh, that Nelson has the same insulation requirement as Invercargill. Yes. Yeah. Or, or Queenstown. Queenstown, mm. which is even colder. Yeah. 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 Um, hey, look, we, we should uh, wrap up. It's been uh, great uh, insight. Just going to really appreciate your time. Thank you. We're, I know that you're just setting up your sort of web presence, but you are um, designing. You are out there. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more? Uh, well, um, we, as I said, we don't have a, a website yet. It will be um, greenbuilding.co.nz. Yep. Um, and my email address is jessica at greenbuilding.co.nz. Cool. We'll put the links up for that. And you can be also found on the, the Passive House Institute website. On the you? Certified Designers Register, yes. Yeah, great. All right. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Matt. And there you go. That was Jessica Ayers, formerly of the Kiwi Natural Building Company and soon to be of a yet unknown business name very excited to find out what jessica comes up with with her partner uh for their new business name in the meantime as jessica said you can get in touch with her her email again jessica at greenbuilding.co.nz that's a great domain by the way greenbuilding.co.nz um, and I've also put some links to Jessica on LinkedIn and also the register of certified passive house designers on the Passive House Institute website. So head on over to uh, homestylegreen.com slash 72 and you'll get all the show notes for this episode. Hope you enjoyed that uh, chat. Really interesting. Uh, great get, to get stuck down into, into a bit of the science of house design and sort of house performance. And really interested uh, what Jessica was saying about the day-to-day, uh, -day, the importance of the day-to-day -day management of houses. And I don't know about you, but I think that's a bit of a tricky one to to crack in, in particularly in New Zealand, where we don't tend to have a lot of feedback mechanisms in our houses other than, ah, oh, it feels a bit cold. Or, oh, hello, there's some mould growing. Ideally, we would get some feedback a little bit before those things happen in the in, and we discuss some of those things today, like temperature and perhaps even ventilation rates. And I have a theory that we are not very good at managing our homes because of the lack of feedback that we receive from them. 
for example, most New Zealand houses don't have a thermostat, whereas overseas it's pretty common to actually set the temperature so people have a bit more of an idea of what the temperature actually is and, and what cold means or what hot means or what comfortable actually means. Same with humidity. We just don't typically have monitors and sensors inside the home. And most houses and systems inside houses definitely don't get commissioned. And then we don't get trained or we don't really think about how to optimize those systems. Anyway, that's the kind of stuff that Jessica's into. And she is looking for motivated clients to um, work with. And as she said, ideal client is someone who's really, really passionate about that sort of stuff and wants to get a a uh, get down to the detail of, of a high-performing home. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I am also very keen to chat with you if you are looking at some concepts at the moment, if you've got some design issues or some challenges that you're facing, then do get in touch. Matthew at Homestyle Green would love to see if I can help you out. Uh, book in for a, a free Skype chat, or we can also have a look at your plan and get it modelled and see how it might stack up in terms of energy performance before you were even um, committed to a, a detailed design. That's enough for me for this week. Um, got some exciting stuff coming up, including getting back onto a bit of a schedule. Um, it's been noted that people appreciate knowing when each episode is going to come out, so I'm going to get regular again. So more on that next week. Um, but that is coming. I'm going to make a, a uh, commitment to maintaining a bit, of a bit more of a regular schedule. Thanks very much for listening. This is Homestyle Green. Now go make a better place to live. <laughs>